This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Exodus 6 will be our text again today. We are in our third Sunday discussing a, a thought. It's a, 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 we've named this little series The Core. The Core. And Exodus 6 will be our text, and uh, we'll get things started here this morning. <clears throat> I get invited to um, a lot of birthday parties, a ton of birthday parties. We try to make as many as we can, but there's times we can't make them all. Uh, there's been some Saturdays that we have to divide and conquer. Uh, the Nora will be at one, I'll be at the other, then we'll hook up and go to a, a baby shower together, then we'll split up for another party. Uh, we go to a lot of parties. Majority of the time we go to kids' parties because a lot of you have young ones. Man, when you have young ones, uh, I think it's that kind of deal where you scratch my back, I scratch yours, uh, and you feel guilty. Well, they came to our party, we have to go to their party. And, you know, they gave, they gave her this gift. We've got to get them an equal or greater than gift. And next thing you know, it's all this junk, you know, a part of being at the parties. Well, um, the cool thing about kids' parties, though, are so much better than adult parties because they respond with such energy and excitement to the gifts. They just go crazy over the gifts, and there's that certain age where it gets a little bit too cool for school because they get into the gift cards and, and they kind of miss that excitement. You know, it's just another gift card. But there's that certain window. You guys know what I'm talking about. There's that certain window where everyone's so excited to watch them open that gift because it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, it's, it's a mermaid doll for all sakes. Or it's a it's a it's a action figure. I mean, there's that certain window of age where it's amazing. Well, then it gets even better because they're in this rhythm, right? And the first gift sets them back, and they open it up, and it's like, oh, I can't believe it! And they hold it up, and everybody's taking pictures, and yeah, yeah. And then they go to the second one. Well, you see this, and and all of you have seen. You've got home videos of this. They hit that rhythm where then they're not really excited about the gift in hand. They're already moved on to the next gift. And it's like, <laughs> and, and it's like, wait a minute, I, I gave you that. You need to hold that up for pictures like you did the first gift. We spent 10 bucks on that, you little spoiled rotten brat. Act excited over that. And they get in that rhythm. And then the funniest thing happens, and it makes all the parents of the birthday child, it makes the parents get so embarrassed when they go, that's it? They've, they've just gotten, you know, like $9.7 million worth of gifts. And they say, that's it? And, and the little four-year-old or the three-year-old, the five-year-old, that little window of age where they, they honestly, with, with, without, they don't hold anything back, they look up and they say, is there not more? There's not more? And of course, we're all at that age where we've just been ruined and we're so calloused, we're so cold, we're so, we're just so rotten that we're all like, what do you mean there's not more? All I got as a kid was a weed. Not that kind, Lord, that came out wrong. 
Boy, the second service would have been like, amen, preacher, praise God. Can't wait for my birthday. <laughs> Thank the Lord for an early service that totally knew I was talking about outside. With, boy, that's going downhill. <laughs> I see parents right now going, baby, don't worry about it. I'll explain it later. When you're 25, I'll explain it later. Stick to your notes, Tommy. Stuff like that won't happen. Why leave your notes? Especially in the nine o'clock service when Dorothy Patton's here. She's not coming Wednesday. You gotta get her on Sunday. Oh. There's some I can't do that with, but I can my friend Dorothy, at least I hope so. Is there more? Is there not more? That's what kids want to know. Is there not more? Is there not more? All right, here's the shift. We as children of God, if, if you're honest, now if you've, got your, if you've got your pharisaical hat on this morning, if, if you've got your 50 years being saved hat on this morning, I know this doesn't apply to you, but if we're really honest, all of us have asked, is there more in this journey of faith? Uh, there's been that moment in your walk with God where you've wondered, man, is this, is this all there is? Is there, is there not something else? Because when here, here's the danger zone. If your best conversation about God is about yesterday, then you're in trouble. You're in a bad spot. I worry about people, Brother Luca, that, that their greatest moments are in their past. I'm talking about spiritual stuff now, okay? I get it. You've got memories of childhood and all that kind of stuff, but I'm talking about your relationship with God. I worry about people that only want to talk about the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the the early 2000s. I worry about people that their greatest moments in God were just three years ago because it's telling me that, that you're in a place where you need something new. You need something new from God. If your greatest testimony and, 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 you know, your greatest experience was when you were 12 and you're in your 40s or you're in your 50s, that tells me, man, that you're in a drought. You really need a touch from God in a very special way to uh, give you something new to talk about. Are you understand what I'm trying to say? And don't be offended by that because all of us have been in that place like the little kids. Is there not more? It's a good thing to be asking, is there more? It's healthy. This is a positive outlook to say, I want something new. I want something more. What's my next? Uh, Father in heaven, what's my next gift? Where's my next gift coming from? Where's my next good moment coming from? That's a healthy thing to pursue. Are you understand what I'm saying? Well, the good news is with God, now, now understand the difference here. With God, there's always more available. With us, the question is, are we seeking and pursuing the next or the more? With God, it's not, up, it's not even up to debate if there's more available. As good as you've ever had an experience with God, he's always got more available. The question is, are you in that pursuit of what's next for you in your spiritual journey? 
this thing called the core that, that we're preaching about, talking about, uh, we're doing our best to push and promote this thing called the core. It's just the name of a series, but the content within these Sundays of February, I am hoping, believing for, trusting God that it will become a part of the culture here in this church because I really think it's going to be a strong foundation for us to build on and to continue the beautiful growth of this ministry. And the heart of it, the heart of this series is that God wants to take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. And we're all at different places. Just as we all look differently, we have different skin colors, we have different hair colors, we have different facial structures. We're all uniquely made by God. We're also all on different areas of the map in this thing called faith. None of us are exactly alike in our relationship with God. But I do know that all of us share this common trait. God's wanting to take you further. God's wanting to take you to your next. He's wanting to provide you another experience in your faith. In other words, you have to always be progressing. He's alive. He's resurrected. And because he lives, you can face Yesterday? No. Tomorrow. It's all about the future. It's all about progressing. It's all about growth. It's all about maturation. It's all about moving forward into where God's taking you. We want to see the lost saved. We want to see those that are saved by God's beautiful grace. We want to see them delivered. Delivered from their issues. We want to see folks that are in that, that stage of deliverance and freedom by God's grace. We want to see them discover their callings and their gifts, their, the, the original plan and purpose for their life. And then we also want to make sure that we're connecting those wonderful, beautiful, godly, saved, delivered, equipped people. We want to see them connect to a healthy church. This is the plan and the purpose of God for all of us. It's not just for you that are sitting up close, not just for you that are sitting in the back. It's for every one of us as the children of God, his plans to get you from where you are to your next. Everybody say amen. And we find a good map, a schematic, a blueprint. We find some good Bible teaching for this Core, we find it in the book of Exodus, chapter number six, and verse number six, and we see some I will promises from God. I believe that all 3,573 promises that are accounted for in Scripture, they all stem, they all come from these promises. Here's how the text reads. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. I will take you to me for people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord, your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. We see four 
I will statements. Let me hit them quickly this morning. A little bit of this is going to be recap, and then we'll go into our, our, our sermon time this morning. The first of which is, I will bring you out. God promises to all humanity, it doesn't matter what generation, it doesn't matter how far into our future, until Jesus Christ returns, and whenever that might be, no man truly knows the day or the hour. But whenever he returns, uh, until he returns rather, this promise will be kept from God. And that is, I will bring you out of sin. The catch is, will you believe him and allow him to do what he's promised to do? He then says, not only will I save you or bring you out of sin, but I will deliver you. Last Sunday, we taught about this. We had a little illustration time concerning the body, the soul, and the spirit. And if you'll recall from last Sunday, God's grace saves the spirit of a man and it will live eternally. But until you're done with this life, your soul, which is your mind, your thoughts, and the will, the desires of a man, and your body, which is your flesh, they will have issues to work through. So you're in the process of getting these two portions of your life. You're in the process of God's grace freeing you and delivering you from the residue of sin on your life. And then he says, not only will I bring you out, not only will I uh, deliver you but, or, or free you. He then says, I will redeem you. And today is this, uh, 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 in this series, today is the day that we're going to talk about redemption or restoration. And then the fourth I will, which we'll tackle next Sunday to conclude this series, it will, I will take you as my own people. Those are the four I wills. Now, it's very important to know the very first promise, Timothy, of I will bring you out, that stands completely by itself. That one stands alone because you have nothing to do with it. Biblically sound teaching here. You have nothing to do with it outside of you accepting it and receiving God's beautiful grace. If you had something to do with it, well, you would be able to brag about it and strut about it. And, and you would be able to pop your lapel out and, and, and strut like a peacock saying, well, look what I've done. And God's real clear that you can't do that. He and only he can save you. But here's the, here's the neat portion about this. Once you're saved, you have to take the ball and run with it. Because now comes the life of Christianity. And, and God can't wake you up every day and, and just kind of pave the way for you and make it so easy for you that, that you view God's grace as permission to live however you want to live. Understand this, grace, receiving God's grace is the easiest decision you'll ever make in your life, but it will cost you everything. Because it calls you for discipline. It calls on you to learn how to pray, to learn how to lean on God, to trust in God. It brings about a greater dimension of faith in you because now you're not believing in yourself. You're believing in yourself because of what God can do through you, but you're partnering with God in becoming delivered from your life's issues. God's gonna save you, but you're now gonna have to go to work to show the fruit of that salvation. 
And I tried my best to share with you last Sunday, having a little bit of fun with the works camp and the grace camp. And I had such good feedback from that. And I hope it's, I hope it's helped you. So here we are today in another portion of something that you can do to go to where God's wanting to take you. And it's this place of restoration or redemption. If you were to just simply go to Webster's Dictionary, just a good old-fashioned collegiate dictionary, and look up the word redeem, you'll see words or uh, definitions like to buy back. You'll see a definition such as to repurchase. Another one you'll come across is to change for the better. And then the final one of which I want to spend my time with is to reform or repair. Or here's the word that you've already heard me mention, to restore. I've personally never uh, restored a car. Those are, that's a really popular hobby. Uh, a good friend of mine uh, that, that I'm, I'm, I've come to enjoy his company, he's the father of Ashley Moore here in our church, Larry and Jeanette. They live in Granbury. Uh, they don't attend Calvary, but when I officiated that, uh, the wedding of Michael and Ashley, I, I just kind of hit it off with Larry, and Larry and I have now become friends, and we try to play golf every now and then together. Well, Larry has had uh, some cars restored, and I know others that are, have been involved in the restoring of cars what that simply means is it's either your car that you've already bought that's, 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 that's gotten old and it's, you've kept it, you've allowed it to become a, a keepsake for you, or you've gone out and purchased a car that is in uh, shambles to, uh, to some degree, and you spend your time, your money, your, your, your efforts, and you go in and you make again that car to new. You go in and restore it. You take it back to its original, uh, the original specs. You take it back to its original uh, purpose. You, you go in and put new interior in. You go in and fine-tune the engine. You put a beautiful brand-new paint job on it. And that which was old that became run down has now become new again. And, and we see car shows like this all the time with restored cars. Well, this is what God is talking about with you. And you're such of a greater value than just a car. What God wants to do with you, his son, his daughter, is not just save you from sin, not just bring you out of Egypt, as our text would put it, but God wants to bring you out of Egypt and then he wants to deliver you from, he wants to get you out of Egypt and get the Egypt out of you, so to speak. He wants to deliver you from the sin issues in your life. But then what he wants to do is, hey, I've gotten you out of there, but you're, you're, pretty, you're pretty rusted. You're pretty banged up. You're missing some parts. Life's been hard on you. The sin life has left you with, with you know, you're not as, you're not as well put together as you once were. And God wants to take you in your brokenness. 
He wants to take you in your shattered uh, life's position in your mind and in your body physically and in your spirit, your, your heart. You have trust issues now. You have memories of a, of a terrible past. You, you have nightmares of yesterday. And God says, I want to take you and not just free you up from that, but I want to go to work in your life and restore you back to your original beauty. I want to take these ashes and give them beauty. I want to take your hurt, broken, shattered body, and I want to make it again another as the potter would. I, want, I don't want to throw this away and just go get a new one. I want to take this piece of clay, I want to put it back on the spinning wheel, and I want to make it, which is you, I want to make you again one more time. I want to repurchase you. I want to restore you. I want to redeem you. You were my child before you ever went into Egypt and became a slave. You were my son and my daughter before you ever uh, got, got uh, born into this lifestyle of sin and this sin nature. So I've come now and I've bought you back again another time and it's my job as your father in heaven to help you get over some of the issues in your life but it's also my god my job as your father in heaven to put you back together again somebody say amen this morning let's clap our hands on that right there <laughs> Woo! come on somebody the good news of the gospel is he does he's not just in the saving business I celebrate the saving power of God. But God's not just in the saving business. God's in the restoring business. He's not just some car collector that buys old, old clunkers and puts them out. Have you, ever been, have you ever driven by that one house in particular that's got four or five old clunkers out in the yard? Doesn't that look rough? Now, it wouldn't be so bad if he was in the restoring business. And you would drive by there and, yeah, there might be a clunker, but look at the other one. Now, that one was a clunker in the yard for about a year, but look at it now. Now it's on the showroom floor. And that puts faith in you to know that the other clunker is going to be restored one day. Well, aren't you glad that he's not just in the purchasing back business? He's in the redeeming business, the restoring business. All over this room, there might be some that has a little more issues than others. But if you look close enough, you'll find out that there's been a lot of us. We've, we've, we've been put back together in some areas. Now, we're not completely perfect yet, but we're in the process. We're in the process of grace. We're in the process of being restored. I don't think like I used to think. I don't talk like I used to talk. I don't go to where I used to go. Now, sure, I still got some rust spots on this old car of mine. But I'm being restored. Somebody say amen. This is what the scriptures say about it. Back to our text. I love this because this is a particular promise from God that he doesn't just say that he will do something. He goes on to say how he's going to do it. He just comes out and says, now I want to make you understand, child of mine, I'm going to save you and I'm going to free you and deliver you. And when I get busy restoring you, you're going to need to know what to look for. Because I'm going to trust you as my son and daughter that I've brought out of Egypt. 
I'm going to trust you as my son and daughter that, that's in the process of deliverance. I'm going to trust you to trust me. I'm going to share with you exactly how I'm going to restore you. Oh, praise be unto God. This is what he says. Exodus chapter 6 in the last portion. I will redeem you. Here we go. With a stretched out arm and with great judgments. So here we have two methods of God's restoring, redeeming grace. And you're going to need to get to be familiar. You need to familiarize yourself with these two acts of God on your behalf to get you restored back to your original. Because if you're not familiar with them, you're going to question how and when and why he's doing what he's doing in your life. Are you tracking with me so far? The first of which is he's going to redeem you or restore you with an outstretched arm. Watch that. Everybody look up here. I want you to get a visual. An outstretched arm. What is this talking about? Oftentimes, when we come out of sin, Egypt, as our text would say, when we put our faith in the grace of God and we come out of Egypt or out of sin and we accept his saving grace, we then enter into this lifestyle of being delivered. And it's a daily process. When I was praying uh, yesterday morning, uh, we had our marriage Art of Marriage Conference, Friday night and Saturday. And one of my duties and, and, and responsibilities yesterday was to swing by one of our restaurants here in town that were so kind. Matter of fact, let me just go ahead and plug this for a minute. And next time you guys uh, happen to go through our local Chick-fil-A here in Burleson, uh, why don't you put a special thank you on the owner there, uh, Greg, because they, they donated all the breakfast to our, our church here yesterday for our marriage conference. And that was very kind of them. But while driving there, I was just kind of praying, uh, praying in my spirit over today in this sermon. And, and, and I honestly had this, I don't want to stretch it and make it sound so super spiritual, but I had this vision, I had this, I had this visual that oftentimes in this, in this delivering process, we need to come to grips with the fact that it's going to take a while to be delivered. For your own good, you need to take this big pill and swallow it. Don't beat yourself up in the process of God's grace delivering you. But let me help some of you. Don't pass judgment on others too quickly either in their process of deliverance. Don't be so quick to think, well, Man, she's been, she's been saved now for a year. She needs to clean that up. Hey, she's in the process. Don't be so quick to say, well, look at him. He, 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 he's been saved now for, for, for three or four years. He needs to get over that problem. He's in the process. You might even want to get familiar with this because I prayed this out loud myself yesterday. I'm in the process of grace. And it's going to take some time. My salvation is instant. I'm a child of God, but I'm going to work out now my salvation. 
I'm going to go to work every day. I'm going to put my boots on, put my work gloves on, Sister Richardson, and I'm going to believe God to work on my life. And the beauty is, his grace that saved me is going to be the same grace that gives me the strength, but I just got to hang in there and work it out. Woo, that's some good preaching right there, boy. Check this out. Oftentimes, back to this outstretched arm, in the process, we run into a problem called condemnation. If you're of the secular uh, stint, we could call it inferiority. We get condemned because we start having flashbacks of yesterday. We start thinking about how we used to live we start thinking about all the mistakes we've made. We start thinking about yesterday, whether it be literally yesterday, Valentine's Day, or yesterday, the 80s. We start thinking about the past. And the enemy comes along and condemns us. And the enemy starts putting you in a low place, all right? Some people that, 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 that have entered into this thing, this this, um, this world of the cranium, so to speak, this, this idea of, of, of being able to think your way out of every problem, you'll hear terminology like this, I'm low today, I'm feeling kind of low today. Uh, tinkering with depression, I'm low today. I'm, I'm down today. I'm at a low place today. And, and, and it's all within the mind. They're, they're perceiving themselves as not having a good day. What's, what's controlling this is not so much the body, but the soul in this three-part uh, breakdown of, of us as humanity. The soul is saying, boy, you really have messed up yesterday. And you start reflecting on all the problems in your life. And you get down. And you get to a place that's low. And, and I know this is a little symbol here, but this is what you got to imagine. You start seeing yourself as inferior and, and conde uh, condemned. You feel damned. You feel damned that this is your life and it's never going to be anything different. This is condemnation. Condemnation is not from God. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Begotten son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not. Everybody say not. For God sent not. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Condemnation comes from the evil one of your future. Condemnation is not of God. Getting into a low place is not God's plan and purpose for your life. Now, God convicts, but God doesn't condemn. Here's the big difference. Condemnation says, Courtney, this is who you are. This is who you'll always be, Courtney. You can go to church all you want, Courtney, but this is who you'll always be, Courtney, and nothing's ever going to change for you, darling. That's the devil talking to your life, the, 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 the evil source of your world. God says, Courtney, this is who you are. You're making some really bad choices. But if you'll take my hand and trust me, I'm going to get you back on the right path. Condemnation says there's no hope 
for anything to change. Conviction says, here's the reality of things. You're not where you should be, but I can get you to where you need to be if you'll allow me to take you there. Do you see the big difference? It's a huge difference. Well, for all of you that might feel low, for all of you that struggle with this thing while you're in the process of grace, if you struggle with feeling low at times, if you find yourself having some dark Mondays, some troubling Thursdays, if you find yourself with some fearful Fridays, the good news is, is this right here. Psalms 1835 says, you stooped down to make us great. God is not intimidated by how low you might see yourself. Because the Bible tells me in the book of of Isaiah 59 that his arm is not too short that he can't reach you. And his ear is not so deaf that he cannot hear your cry. If you'll call out to the Lord, his arm is long enough to get down however low you see yourself being. Here's the cool part. God doesn't even see you that low. You see yourself that low. God's like, why are you so messed up that you see yourself that low? I see you as a blood-bought, beautiful, sanctified child of God, but condemnation has you feeling like you're so low. Well, if that's how you feel, let me just show you how much I love you. I will stoop down low to make you great. So how is he going to restore you? He's going to restore you with an outstretched arm. He's going to restore you by reaching down where you feel like you are. However low it might be. The psalmist says in Psalms uh, chapter number 40. uh, This is a good portion of scripture. One, two, and three. You could could actually teach the core. You could actually partner up Exodus 6 and 7 with Psalms chapter 40, 1, 2, and 3. And they go so well together. I'm I'm probably going to do that in the future. Watch this. David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Somebody say, hang in there. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me. He inclined. He came to where I was. Oh, we don't have enough time this morning. Somebody push back the clock. Take back all that silly rambling I was doing. Taking pictures and picking on Dorothy Patton. I need more time this morning. He came to me and he heard my cry. He brought me up. Everybody say, he brought me up. He brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. You got to hang in there in the process of grace because he will establish your goings. He will restore you. He will redeem you. And then this partners well with next week's I will make you a people and I will become your God. Look at verse 3 of Psalms 40. And he hath put a new song, a new song in my mouth, even praise under our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. God's plan for your life is for you to let go of your past where you can see your future. God's plan for your life is to take that rearview mirror out of your car and just keep looking through the front windshield. Because your, your, your walk with the Lord is not about yesterday. Your walk with the Lord is where he's taking you to in your tomorrow. Let's clap our hands one more time to the Lord. I got to speed up. Oh, I got to speed up. I got to speed up. He'll redeem you not only with an outstretched arm. He'll redeem you with mighty acts of judgments. Great judgments. Take a deep breath. Here's some good news that you've been worried about. 
These mighty judgments are not for you. These mighty judgments are for the enemy of your life. He's busy reaching down, restoring you, and he's busy passing judgments on the enemy of your life. See, God's got a plan, Tyler. He's got a plan for your life. But I come to you not with just that good news. I come to you with some word of awareness. The devil's got a plan for your life. God's plan for your life is life abundance and abundance and abundant living. But the enemy of your life, it's got a plan of damnation. And when he sees that you've been brought out of Egypt and you're in the process of grace being delivered and freed, well, he can't touch you, but he can sure put some stuff in your way. A good word here is diversion. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, I tried my best to get to you, but, but Satan prevented it. I wanted to be there so badly, but Satan prevented it. To impede someone's progress or put something in their path. See, the enemy can't touch you. It can't strip you out of the saving hand of God. Now, you can jump out of his hand if you choose to by disobedience and by, 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 by choosing the lifestyle of, of disobedience. Okay? But check this out. Here's the beautiful part of it. The devil, once you come out of Egypt and once you become a product of God's grace, he can't just come and strip you back from, from God, but he can sure put some things in your path in the process of grace to get you distracted and, and cause you to lose your focus on where you're going. He can let you meet the wrong people. And if you're not walking in God's faith, and grace, you won't be able to differentiate healthy relationships from bad ones. He'll put things in your way like tragedy, the death of a loved one. The enemy will come by and use the death of a loved one to start talking to your mind and allow your mind to play tricks on you. And, and God's taking you here, but now you've been diverted this way. You've been, you, you, fall, you got off track. Now, I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about your progress in being delivered and freed up. Are you tracking with me? Believe it or not, it's not always just tragedy. You can get off track living for God with success. We spend a lot of time around here talking about the blessings of God, the, the, the wonderful blessings and the riches of God on our lives. But can I tell you, if you're not where you should be in the spirit of the Lord, blessings can get you distracted from honoring and living for God. I've seen people make more money than they've ever made before and still walk away from the Lord. They were closer to God broke than they were rich. Now, it wasn't the blessings that did it. It was the love of that. Are you following what I'm saying? I, I, I got I to gotta, talk about staying focused. I got to nail this down. Pastor Don's going, 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 going. He's got to get to class, and I got to help people get there with him. That's my job right now. So let me, let, me, let, me, let me speed this up here. The beautiful thing is, is that God can take all of your diversions, believe it or not, this might be in conflict with some of your, your thinking, but if you'll just hear me out and listen, you got off track and started chasing the money or you got off track and went into a deep, dark place because of the divorce. Believe it or not, God's grace is so sufficient. If you'll just reach up and take his hand, he's in the process of bringing you right back, getting you on track and leveling things out. You're just one prayer away from God being able to say, come home. 
Get back on track with me. I've never left you. I, you never went so far I didn't see you, but I had to give you your freedom and allow you to get over there. I had to let you get over to the edge over here. But now that you're calling on me, let me just let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me get you on track here. Can I just tell you, this is where our, our way of talking in the church, this is the backslidden life. And what happened with a lot of my friends growing up, because we didn't understand the beauty of God's grace, is when, when someone backslides or gets off a track and they kind of get away from, from, from where they know they should be, what happens is how I grew up, it was communicated, well, now you're away from God, you've cut yourself off from God, and you're on your own. You got yourself out there, now you got to get yourself back. You got yourself in that mess, now get yourself out of that mess. Well, for a backslidden person, that's sending the message that there's no hope because I'm the one that hit the foul ball. There's no way I can get back on track. So one day of condemnation leads to another day of condemnation, and now there's 27 years of not being in the church because they don't feel they can get back on track on their own, and the truth is they can't. But the message is not your own, your own. The message is God's hands never left you. You're just one simple prayer away. And it's possible to even be in a service like this and feel like you're off track. And can this preacher just tell somebody on a Sunday morning, that's all you are is just off track. You've not fallen out of the beautiful reach of God's arm. His arm's not too short for your life. His arm can go way further than you thought it could. If you'll just simply call on the name of the Lord, his beautiful grace, and just say, come with me. Let's get you back on track. Somebody say, I receive. Now, I close with this. And unfortunately, this was the bulk of my sermon. And I might have to shrink it. Here's what you have to do. You have to discover your gift you have to develop it, and then you have to use it. You have to discover your gift. You have to then develop it, and then you have to use it. What gift are you talking about? The gift that God's placed in you. I don't think I have a gift. This is going to rock some of your worlds, and you have to listen to this. God had something for you to do before he ever created you. We think sometimes when we're not on our A game, Dana, we think God made Tommy and then God said, hmm, now how can I use that little boy? Let me think here. Well, he surely ain't gonna be an NBA player. Hmm, let's think here. Well, he's surely not gonna be a, some kind of biologist. Let's think here. How can I use that little fella? Uh... That's not how it works. This is how it works. God says, and, and allow me to work through this. God says, before time and after time, because he doesn't exist on this clock that I feel pressure from, God says, there's gonna be a day, a time, there's a group of people that need to hear the gospel, and it needs to come in a different way. It can't come through this way, because that way is for those people it can't come through that line of communication because that's for those people. There's a certain group of people that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ in this certain way. 
And I need to create somebody that's got that. I need to create somebody that's got a little humor every now and then, that's got some big piled up hair every now and then. I gotta create somebody that, that, that likes to play golf because he's gonna probably meet golfers to lead them to Jesus. And I know that's a little different, but you know, even golfers need Jesus and I need to do this and that. Wait a minute. There was that one guy, Tom Brandon. Now, he's got a little humor about him. And then there's that one lady, Linda Rogers. And I put them together. I see me. I'm putting them together. I bet through their DNA and gene pool that I could probably have him fit that. So, yes, I'll let them name him. I'll let them rear him. I'll let them teach him and mold him and shape them because that's a perfect DNA match for that need. Oh, wait a minute. He's also going to need a girl to help him along the way. So I did make that Renee Lopez and that Yolanda. I made that. So let me do that. God had something for you to do before he ever made you. He didn't make you, Sister Scott, and then go to work and trying to figure out how you could fit. That's how the world thinks. That's why we have school counselors to kind of help shape us. No, we need something greater than a school counselor. Thank God for that. But we need something from heaven that comes down and says, I made you for this, but you have to discover it. Well, how do I discover it? There's several ways. First of all, you got to go look for it. You can't find anything without looking for it. And then once you find it, you have to develop it. Because once you find it, it's not developed. You have to grow into it. Are you tracking with me? I close for the eighth time. Rick Warren. Rick Warren uh, one of the great preachers of America. I love Rick Warren. I follow him on Twitter and I love reading his books. Rick Warren, if you haven't read The Purpose Driven Life, you're missing out. You gotta read that. It's old, but it's new. Rick Warren has a way of illustrating the differences in the gifts that all of us have. And he says it this way. He says, liken the gifts to people sitting around the dinner table and someone drops their dessert. Uh, Brother Don Gentry, you're gonna love this. This is how the gift sitting around the dinner table works. Someone drops their dessert and mercy, mercy says, hey, don't, don't, don't feel bad. It could have happened to anybody. Preaching says, well, that's what happens when you're not careful. Serving says, oh, let me help you with that. I'll help you clean it up. Teaching, teaching says, well, the reason it fails because it was way too heavy on one side. Exhortation says, well, next time, why don't we let the, uh, the dessert be served with the meal? Giving, giving says, hey, don't worry about it. I'll buy you a new piece of dessert. Administration, it says, hey, Jim, why don't you get the mop? Sue, pick it up. Mary, why don't you come with me and let's fix another dessert? All of us have a different gift. And before you can be fully restored, you have to discover what yours is. We are sending by way of email through Calvary Connect. If you're not on Calvary Connect, you won't get this. That's why we encourage everybody to set a profile up on Calvary Connect. We're sending the whole church body two different methods to help you develop, uh, discover and develop your gifts. They'll come in PDF. Uh, I'm sorry, that's not true. At once we were gonna do PDFs, but now we actually have an interactive through the web. Click on a link and it's gonna take you to a DISC personality test. It's gonna help you determine your personality to kind of give a summary of who you are and what you're about. But then we've partnered that up with, we've partnered it up with a spiritual gifts test. Most, most 
corporations and businesses today, they utilize the disk format. Some of you that work in, work in larger environments, you've probably went through the disk analysis. But then we partnered up with spiritual gift test. Now, this is just one way of discovering your gifts. But then you have to go to work developing it. But to sum it all up, every single one of us have all of us share the same purpose and plan from God. It's just going to look differently and sound differently, smell differently, taste differently. But at the end of the day, it's all the same. And that is our purpose and plan for our life. If you want to know the will of God for your life, it's to serve God by serving others. And what God wants to do in this core is to save people, to get them delivered from their issues, and to let them see how and where they could serve people to honor God. Stay with me this morning.